Hello, this is Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief of Evidence-Based GI, and today we're speaking with Philip Okafor, Senior Associate Consultant in the Department of Gastroenterology at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida, about his recent summary in Evidence-Based GI, which was entitled to PPI or not to PPI. Pantoprazole prophylaxis does not reduce 90-day mortality and clinically significant adverse events in ICU patients. Now, this is part of our In Case You Missed It series, where we review landmark randomized control trials that may impact guidelines that were published in the last several years. And specifically, Dr. Okafor is reviewing a study from Northern Europeans looking at pantoprazole in patients, excuse me, that was entitled pantoprazole in patients at risk for gastrointestinal bleeding in the ICU. And this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2018. So, Phil, welcome back to the podcast, and why don't you tell us why this topic is important? Thanks for having me today. I think it's a very important topic because, you know, I still do a lot of call in the hospital, and I'll tell you probably the most uh, common reason we're consulted as a gas central services for GI bleed, and a good number of these patients end up in the ICU uh, for these GI bleeds or we get called to see patients in the ICU who've experienced a GI bleed. It is estimated that about 2.5% of adults admitted to the ICU end up having a GI bleed. And historically, uh, we as healthcare providers have used either proton pump inhibitors or H2 receptor blockers as stress also prophylaxis to reduce the risk of uh, GI bleeding. And there's been a lot of debate recently as to the risk that these prophylactic agents, especially the PPIs, uh, could confer, including the infectious risks, uh, particularly the risk of pneumonia and Clostridium difficile infection in patients who are, you know, on, on these PPI agents. And, and so there's a lot of debate about the benefits from prophylaxis in these patients for stress ulcers versus the risks. And this study by Craig uh, uh, and the group uh, attempts to provide more evidence on the utility of uh, PPI prophylaxis in the ICU. Yeah, as you stated, we as gastroenterologists may not make the decision about whether or not to start stress ulcer prophylaxis for GI bleeding in ICU patients. It's certainly a question that's controversial because, as you said, it's not totally clear that using PPI or H2 receptor antagonists is beneficial to reduce stress ulcer, pro, stress ulcer bleeding in the ICU and using PPIs might be associated with an increased risk of hospital acquired pneumonia and C. difficile colitis in these patients. So we have good data that we know that people who are mechanically ventilated and anticoagulated in the ICU are at increased risk for stress ulcer prophylaxis, but still trying to figure out if we should do something to reduce the risk. And if we do, whether or not that's truly going to be beneficial. So 
what did the authors in this study do to try to assess if, if using a PPI as prophylaxis for stress ulcers was going to be beneficial in ICU patients? Thanks, Phil. I think it was a very impressive study in terms of size and methods. You know, the main question, like you alluded to, was does prophylactic pentoprazole reduce the risk of, you know, clinically significant ICU events? And the uh, study was done between January 2016 through October 2017. And it involved 33 ICUs in different countries, including Denmark, Finland, the Netherlands, Norway, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. And what they did was to enroll patients 18 years and older who admitted to the ICU for an acute condition. And they uh, enrolled patients who had at least one risk factor for uh, clinically important GIP lead. Um, and these included patients with shock, uh, patients on anticoagulation, uh, renal replacement therapy, mechanical ventilation is expected to last uh, greater than 24 hours, and patients with a history of liver disease or ongoing prognosis. Like I said, it was a multi-center uh, study. It was stratified. There was a pallet group and placebo-controlled trial that was also blinded. And uh, patients were randomized after enrollment to either get IV, pantoprazole uh, at a dose of 40 milligrams or randomized to get placebo, uh, both as a single daily dose. And outcomes were studied until, uh, from randomization until ICU discharge for death uh, for a maximum of 90 days. Their primary outcome was death within 90 days of randomization. And they had a very interesting, they had interesting secondary outcomes, which included uh, clinically important GI bleeding, and this was defined as overt GI bleeding uh, with at least one of the following within 24 hours. So it's important to read through how they define the severity of the bleed. So spontaneous decrease in the systolic blood pressure or the mean arterial blood pressure or diastolic blood pressure uh, of uh, greater than 20 points, treatment with a vasopressor or a 20% increase in vasopressor dose and also a decrease in hemoglobin of at least two grams per deciliter or transfusion of two or more units of packed red blood cells. The secondary outcome of the composite also included ICU infectious adverse events, including new onset pneumonia and clostridium difficile. And most of these outcomes were assessed by a chart review and they assess mortality via regional and national registries or direct contact with either participants or the surrogate. So ultimately, this is a, a what might be considered a simple, large RCT. I mean, everybody's getting randomized to take either 40 milligrams IV of pantoprazole or placebo and the primary outcome is death at 90 days. And then you've got all these secondary outcomes that are going to be assessed by chart review. And to really get a sense of whether or not it's beneficial, as you said, in terms of the outcome, not everybody who had that overt GI bleeding characterized by a spontaneous decrease in blood pressure or uh, change in vasopressor dose or needed transfusion, not every one of those patients got a scope to really confirm that they were having stress ulcer bleeding. So what did the results actually show? 
Yeah, so uh, they, they were able to randomize uh, 33,290 patients. And, and um, patients were randomized to the Fentoprazole group and also the placebo arm. And they were about the same, just about 1,645 in the Fentoprazole arm and 1,653 participants in the placebo arm. Uh, they were able to get enough vital data for almost 100% of the patients. And what they showed, at least at 90 days after randomization, the key finding was that there was no difference in the mortality rate. Uh, so the mortality rate in the pentoprazole group was about 31.1% compared to 30.4% in the placebo group. And the relative risk was 1.02, and the confidence interval crossed one, and the p-value was 0.76. So that was the key take home, and there was no a significant increase in mortality. Then they also looked at the, if there was a difference on the composite secondary outcome of clinically important ICU events. And they found 21.9% uh, in the pantoprazole group versus 22.6% in the placebo group. And remember, Phil, this is a composite secondary outcome that includes those GI bleed outcomes we talked about earlier. The relative risk here was 0.96. The confidence, 95% confidence interval uh, crossed one, and so it was not significant. Interestingly, though, they did show that fewer patients in the pentoprazole group had clinically important GI bleed, uh, so 2.5% in the pentoprazole group compared to 4.2%. And that came to a risk reduction of about 42%. But the challenge in interpreting that result was that they did not correct for multiple comparisons. So that limited our ability to interpret the relative risk. So the main findings, like I said, no difference in mortality at 90 days or in the number of clinically important ICU events between patients that receive pantoprazole versus patients that receive placebo. And so I think this is a really important take-home point, which is that we didn't really find any impact on the most important outcome for ICU patients, that's 90-day mortality, or even the most important secondary outcome, those clinically important ICU adverse events. And we're kind of left with a question mark about whether or not this even helped reduce stress ulcer prophylaxis bleeding. Because as you said, in subgroup analysis, it does look like using a PPI reduces stress ulcer bleeding by about 40% versus placebo, but there's some concern in terms of study design, as you said, by doing multiple comparisons, that may not be a very precise result. So we're kind of still left with that question about whether or not it's, it's truly beneficial. On the other hand, as we noted, we're also concerned that using PPI might increase your risk for developing pneumonia while you're on a ventilator, as well as increasing your risk of getting C. diff colitis while you're in the hospital. And there wasn't an increase for either of those. So what are your additional thoughts about how you may apply these data into your practice? And, and what do you do in your practice when you talk with the ICU folks? I think that's a very important question, Phil. You know, the, like you alluded to when we started this uh, recording, by the time we get called into the ICU, patients are either already on prophylaxis or, uh, or not. Um, I do think that the main 
issue with big trials such as these are those outcome measures and how they're defined. You know, the composite outcome measure in this study has not been validated, right? So it's unvalidated. I, I think we need better ways to risk stratify patients based on the risk of GI bleeding. Uh, we know that prolonged mechanical ventilation and anticoagulation use do increase uh, the risk of bleeding in ICU patients. So those are very high risk patients, but we need better ways to stratify this patient that uh, this can guide the decision-making process. Like you alluded to in terms of benefits, there is some difference in the, uh, you know, compared to, uh, for GI bleeding in the PPI group compared to the placebo group. But in this particular study, it's hard to interpret that. But you can be reassured that the infectious complication risk appears to be, you know, not significantly different between uh, the placebo and PPI groups. So for those patients that you deem as high risk, um, those patients you could consider PPI uh, prophylaxis. Yeah, I think this is a good example that there are limitations to evidence-based medicine or certainly individual randomized controlled trials, even when they're well-designed, that this is a good e example of where the other EBM that I call experience-based medicine mm -hmm. comes into play more. And if your intensivist has a patient who's, on, who's mechanically ventilated and anticoagulated and seems to be a particularly high risk for stress ulcer prophylaxis, you may make an individualized decision to use PPI prophylaxis. On the other hand, it shouldn't necessarily be routine for every single patient who gets put on a mechanical ventilator, or every single patient goes to the ICU who's anticoagulated would be appropriate. Any thoughts about what kind of studies you'd like to see in the future? Take into account limitations of the studies that have been done. I think we need to better define our outcomes potentially get more validated outcomes that are directional. So meaning putin GI bleed with infections and that can go in different ways, lower risk of infection, higher risk of GI bleed, may be difficult to interpret as a secondary outcome. So defining our outcomes better would be one way to start. Uh, I'd love to see studies that, you know, have looked into the risk assessment process so we can identify the highest risk cohorts. Because like you said, experience-based medicine, there may be subgroups of patients who would benefit from um, stress ulcer prophylaxis. I think it'll be important to look at the impact of enteral nutrition on the risk of GI bleeding in, in these ICU patients. And also, Phil, you know, we talk a lot about starting stress ulcer prophylaxis. When do we stop stress ulcer prophylaxis? So I'll be interested in seeing studies that can answer those questions. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And we'll have you back on the podcast very soon. Thank you so much for having me.